1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Crystal War College. Welcome to Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I've got Kyle Clements on today. He's a host today. Uh, and today is Ash Wednesday, by the way. Uh, and the month of February is dedicated also to the Holy Family, the special devotion. It goes back to the 17th century. It actually goes back to the New Testament, but it started being practiced uh, in the 17th century. By the way, you can support the show by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org, vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media uh, at VMP Radio. And our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. <clears throat> People love when I have Kyle Clement on because uh, Kyle goes through the theology and the proper use of the book called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady, written by Father Chad Ripperger. And I also want to mention, uh, let's just pray real quick for Bishop O'Connell. Today's the second day of my rosary for Bishop O'Connell. He was murdered over in Hacienda Heights over the weekend. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto Bishop O'Connell, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of Bishop O'Connell, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. I would ask everybody listening to the show to pray a nine-day novena for the repose of the soul of Bishop David O'Connell. May he rest in peace. Kyle, welcome to the show, my friend. Back again, Wednesday War College. Good to be with you, Jesse. Good to be with you. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm going to say a few good things that I knew about Bishop O'Connell. You know, Kyle, all of us are conflicted men. We're all, the, we're all what I call Romans chapter 7 men. The flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. And that's, you know, we're, we're being purified through life struggles. And, and, and thanks be to God, to the faith and prayer and the sacraments, we're being purified and made holy. I can say a couple of things about Bishop O'Connell that, that impressed me about him in the, in the latter part of his life. Um, Bishop David O'Connell would pray in front of abortion clinics. I know people that prayed with him like once or twice a month. That's impressive. A bishop that goes and prays in front of an abortion clinic, you got my ear. I'm impressed with you. Uh, Bishop David O'Connell was also personally involved in spiritual warfare. That's pretty impressive. A bishop that's hands-on. He was personally involved in it, in spiritual warfare. He also, my partner Terry Barber on the Terry and Jesse show, Terry took him up to a high mountain in Los Angeles, overlooking all the city of Los Angeles, really all L.A. County, one of the highest mountains in L.A. And, uh, and Bishop David O'Connell consecrated the entire county of Los Angeles to Jesus Christ in a one-hour liturgical and heartfelt prayer that he did with the Blessed Sacrament on a monstrance. He, had his, he was fully vested as a priest with a humeral veil. Uh, he, he was on a kneeler overlooking all of Los Angeles County, which is, I mean, it's a porn capital of the world and it's a satanic capital of the country. And here he was doing a holy hour on his knees, holding the blessed sacrament like Moses, his arms in the air for an hour. So those are some of my memories of him. Um, uh, truth be told, I mean, you can read this on the internet. Uh, 
I probably wouldn't agree with Bishop O'Connell on, on some, some issues. I know he was for uh, the ordination of women. He was for, the, for a married priesthood. I probably wouldn't agree with him on, on those issues. But all in all, I think that, uh, that uh, he ended his, his life strong. And I think that one day the Lord will receive him into the, into the uh, great wedding feast. That's my take. Kyle, you knew him a little bit before we start going to the book, if there's anything you want to say about him. I think that you're looking at a a, a unique individual. Um, first of all, he was <clears throat> first of all he was a man of integrity, and like you said, uh, you might not agree with his viewpoints, but he he was a man of integrity. And I don't I think you'd be really hard pressed, and this is the highest compliment I can pay anybody. I think you'd be really hard pressed to find anybody, friend or uh, adversary, to him that didn't respect him for his integrity. Yeah. his straightforward manner, uh, his willingness to do the things that were required by his office. And so I had admiration for him. There are many areas, like you say, I didn't agree with him, but I admired him. And I think that's a situation where we've lost that modernly is we're no longer capable of civil discourse. We're no longer capable of, of listening uh, to the other side. Uh, everything is emotionally driven. Everything is, is hyperdramatic. And um, for a man who was in a very dramatic position, he was not a person of high drama. Yeah, yeah, that's well said, yeah. Uh, all right, Kyle, Wednesday War College, people are looking forward to this. <clears throat> We're going to pick it up on, on the deliverance prayers for use by the lady. There's a section where we were, you were starting to broach last time we were on. It's a section from page 49, actually it goes 50, 51, 52, 53, and 54. It ends in 54. It's a section that I notice that Father has a lot of prayers invoking the blood of Jesus. The, like, for example, the prayer on page 49 is called Prayers and Devotions to the Precious Blood of Our Lord Jesus Christ. You started talking about that one. And it's, it's a long prayer. Then, then on page 51, he has Litany of the Most Precious Blood of Jesus. That's a rather long one. That's, that's in the Auxilium, Auxilium Christianorum prayers at night. Then he has uh, the divine praises, which uh, eh, it, it does invoke, it does invoke uh, the blood of Jesus one time. So I think these three prayers here that talk about or invoke the blood of Jesus, what can you say about the theology of this prayer, the power, the merit of this prayer, the efficacy of this prayer? What can you say about the prayers from page 49 to 54, which call upon the precious blood of Jesus? That's a, thank you, Jesse. These prayers are under the devotional section, um, our prayers of devotion. And so this is part of the training, if you will. This is part of moving in the interior and conforming our will to the battle of spiritual warfare, conforming, conforming, our, conforming ourselves to what it is to be involved in spiritual in sacrificial theology, I think, first of all, is let's back up a step and just look. The three primary areas uh, where the ourselves, the world, and the devil move against us are the areas of identity. In other words, who we are, how God made us, um, the ontological structure of man, how we're made, for what purpose are we made, male and female, he made them. We're seeing this attack wholesale. 
Um, and then the, the secondary attack is against the second person of the Trinity, and that is where sacrificial theology is made human, and that's Christ, uh, to give ourselves for um, for each other and to give ourselves back to God. And so all of the—anytime the precious blood is invoked, it, it should bring to mind this understanding of sacrificial theology, this willingness to suffer sacrifice of self— and so we see modernly these are the three areas, and they're directly uh, they're directed against the three persons of the Trinity. One is identity. The second one is the the uh, resistance to any kind of discomfort to join our experiences to Christ to ex- to participate in vocation as a form of sacrificial theology, and then ultimately. Um, the sins against the third person of the Trinity, the sins against charity, whereby uh, the world and ourselves and and the demons su- suggest that we should look upon others as less, whether they're less than us in, by uh, station, by circumstance, but this idea that some humans are less than other humans, this is at the heart of liberalism and communism and the elevation of an elite by some type of right uh, over the others. And so we're seeing this wholesale, but the devotion starts, the devotion section starts with these devotions to the precious blood. Again, precious blood, anytime you see it, it should invoke sacrificial theology, and you should ask, where am I with regard to my sacrificial disposition, sacrificing myself for the salvation of souls in concert with Christ, the sacrifice of Christ? And so those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. And this first prayer, uh, prayer to Almighty Father, this is St. Augustine. And we, we do well to remember, too, that the authors of these prayers, just like the prophets, just like the gospel writers, they bring to mind and they bring to um, the fore a understanding that is part of their life experience. So St. Augustine, having lived a life of depravity, having lived a life of habitual mortal sin, comes to a relationship with God different than, say, a Thomas Aquinas, who doesn't have a history of of, um, great depravity, who doesn't have a history of habitual mortal sin, who comes in a virginal disposition known for his purity. And so St. Augustine starts, Almighty Father, come into our hearts and so fill us with thy love that forsaking all evil desires, we may embrace thee, our only good. So this is a perfect prayer for today, for Ash Wednesday. And it's a recognition that coming to our hearts means that you're not there now, not totally, not to the extent that we would like. And fill us with thy love, forsaking all evil desires. This is going to be the purpose of the 40 days of Lent, the purpose of the time in the desert, uh, both for Christ and, and for Uh, the Hebrews, we may embrace thee, our only good. Now we're going straight to first commandment, our only good. What other, quote, goods or activities do we participate in um, that we self-justify that that, uh, perhaps today I'll place this over God or perhaps uh, for this this period of time, I need to to coexist, so to speak. I need to do other things. let Let me jump in there, my friend. 
We're going to a hard break. Listening to Wednesday War College, Kyle Clement explaining some, some of the prayers. Stick around. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, we are blessed by the best, and we want to tell the rest. And who's the best of the best? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We got Kyle Clements. We're talking about a topic that a lot of people are very fascinated with. There's a book that came out called Deliverance Prayers with the Lady. And for a lot of people, they've told me that this book is above my pay grade. That's what they say. So <clears throat> I've uh, I've seen fit to invite Kyle Clement uh, on Wednesdays that he's available since he's part of the Liber Christo Institute. He's part of Father Ripperger's team. Uh, he knows the theology of these prayers, and he can he can explain them to us better than anybody else. And uh, and people are very thankful that he's doing these shows on Wednesdays. We're here on the section, Kyle, about the the, the prayers and devotions of the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are these are you said uh, this is a devotional section of uh, of prayers. It's meant to move the interior life so that we can conform our will to God's will. Uh, pick it up where you left off, Kyle. Thank you, Jesse. And so we're we're in this prayer on top of 49. Um, the author is St. Augustine, prayer to Almighty Father. And it goes on to say, our hearts are before thee, open our ears, let us hasten after their voice. And so there's some sensory imagery that we've got to conform our senses to being open to hearing God, our hearts open to letting God fill. And then it says, repair the ruined mansions that thou may dwell herein. This imagery, <clears throat> this physical imagery is very helpful in letting us take stock, especially, I mean, here we are on, on Ash Wednesday. This is the purpose of this penitential season is to say, um, you know, let us repair this domicile, the, this place of our soul. Let us repair it consistent with God's indwelling. Let us reconsecrate. Let us re-clean uh, these things out, um, spring cleaning, if you will. Then we'll move into the prayers and devotions to the precious blood of our Lord. Again, this orients us towards sacrificial theology. Anytime we see our Lord uh, Jesus, it, we've got to, to see that totality uh, that he, he came. His mission was sacrifice. His mission was redemption. Our life, therefore, should, should mirror his to the extent that we can. Um, any human existence, he gives us the perfect human existence. And so when you go through these these devotional prayers, these salutations, um, and I'm hesitant to go through them line by line. I'm happy to, but the imagery... I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> go, yeah, I, oh, this is so, great. This is, so, okay. this is so rich. Yeah, I, absolutely. Go ahead, Kyle. Knock your, go ahead. People want to hear it. So this number one, this short ejaculatory number uh, A on page 49, be mindful, O Lord, of thy creature whom thou hast redeemed by thy precious blood. This was a, an ejaculatory prayer that was offered up every time the, the soul is in mass. And when the priest elevates the precious blood in the chalice, when he elevates the, the chalice, this was always the response um, in traditional, in the traditional uh, Catholic observance, was when he elevated the bread, it was mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, and then when he elevated the blood, it was be mindful, O Lord, of thy creature whom thou hast redeemed by thy precious blood. 
Hmm. And this calls to mind and orients the soul toward what is in that chalice, uh, the, the, the precious blood of our Lord. And so to re- refer to it as as, pre- as the precious blood, I think that we go back one step further and we realize that when the, when the gifts are, are brought up in the an ordinary form or when they're laid out in the extraordinary form and they're poured into the chalice, we're looking at bread and wine, which will be turned into, quickened into um, the flesh and blood of our Lord Jesus. We can see in the bread and, and wine the flesh and blood of the Blessed Mother, whose flesh and blood is quickened into the Christ who will grow within her. But if all of this imagery is in our mind, then the devotions have done their work, is to, to elevate our hearts and our minds to the mystery of the incarnation, to elevate our hearts and minds to this understanding that the blood comes from the Blessed Mother, the flesh comes from the Blessed Mother, um, and, and it is she who is no less than God the Father, giving her only Son, these are the thoughts and sentiments that devotions are supposed to bring us. And so um, Father Lahodi, in, in Introduction to Mental Prayer, talks about um, these images, to bring these images through our vocal prayer, uh, to bring these images forward uh, so that they become um, almost instinctual response. So then we move on. Oh, Jesus, who by reason of thy burning love for us has willed to be crucified and to shed thy most precious blood, so let's stop and, and listen to language that is very, very um, meaningful in the patristics. Jesus, oh Jesus, who by reason. Now reason for the Thomist out there and for those who understand Catholic intellectual pursuit, reason is the quality that is brought about by perfect unification of intellect and will. We get a lot of talk modernly about faith and reason being opposed. For the Catholic, reason uh, augments faith, but has to be in light of faith. Reason has to be has to conform to faith. And so, O oh Jesus, who by the use of thy intellect and will, perfectly ordered, of thy burning love for us, burning that con- that consuming that all consuming again more sacrificial language, for us has willed to be crucified. And I think that's one of the things that we really need to look at uh, as we're in Lent on our uh, the Via Della Rosa on the Stations of the Cross. Throughout these stations, Jesus rises when he falls, not because the Romans make him rise. He rises out of love for us. He is fatigued. He is exhausted. But he rises in, out of his will, out of just pure grit to make good on this sacrifice that he must die on Calvary, he must die on the cross. This is what his Father wills. And this this language brings us straight into the, the uh, passion, straight into the way of the cross. Will to be crucified and to shed their most precious blood for the redemption and salvation of our souls. Twofold act, redemption and salvation. And I think that the redemption is an interesting thing. And so we hear of of some of the orders that were uh, formed to ransom souls, to to buy them out of slavery. And so to be bought out of slavery, 
does not mean that the person remains free. They have to conform their will to being free, and that's the salvation aspect of it. Mercy's offered, but mer- mercy must be accepted. And so many people, Christ redeemed all of us, but yes. not all of us accept salvation. Amen. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, something very interesting about these prayers that I noticed. And this is an area of blindness within Protestant Christianity. Is uh, they have a, a they have a real uh, most of the, the their lectures and preaching is around the risen Christ, and obviously that's obviously a high point in Catholic Christianity as well. But they minimize the incarnation, especially they minimize again what they call the Lord's Supper. I mean, this is where the big the, the big split began back in the 16th century. Or as Catholics, we believe something that's incredibly uh, powerful, mysterious, and august that God uh, still continues to communicate himself uh, in, uh, in, through sacramental species uh, by his spoken word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is just as an area of blindness within Protestantism. They have more kind of a Gnostic view of Christianity. Everything's spiritual, everything's spiritual. But I notice these prayers are incarnational. They are. They're absolutely incarnational. Not only did Christ become man for us, but he's willing to dwell within us. And the Eucharist is that method and mode by which he enters us. Um, he, He enters us in the liturgy of the word. He first enters in our ear in the same way that he entered the Blessed Mother. He enters through our ear, liturgy of the word. This is why liturgy of the word precedes the liturgy of the Eucharist. That gospel, we hear the gospel, we repent, we yield, and then we take him in in, in bodily form. But you bring an interesting point with regard to um, the, the movement of Protestantism. I think that a classic example of the ongoing conversion, even for Catholics, is if, if he follows, follows with the heart of Thomas, and he's willing to place his finger into the and then conform to the truth that he beholds, he comes to an understanding that it is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The banquet theology begins to to disappear from his language, and he begins to see it not as a feast, not as a banquet, but as an offering of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the reenactment of that which is happening on Calvary. And we see this movement very poignantly in Dr. Scott Hahn right now, where he's drawn to the Latin Mass. He's drawn to this understanding of sacrificial theology. And he, to his credit, um, he's seeking with the heart of Thomas, and he's going through deeper and deeper conversion. But he gives us an exemplar for all of us to go deeper and deeper uh, into conversion and the understanding that the only place that the truth is whole is in, and entire is in the Catholic Church, and it's in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Most specifically, it's in the traditional form, and that's one of the reasons that the extraordinary form is being militated against so vehemently by even those in our Church. Yeah, and and it doesn't surprise me that Professor Hahn is, is moving in that direction as well, because when you read his book, The Lamb's Supper, it's all sacrificial theology. When I read that 20 years ago, I said, this man is going to discover the Latin Mass one day because what he wrote here, this perfectly describes the, the Latin Mass. So uh, 
again, that that uh, that doesn't surprise me. So, uh, Kyle, uh, these prayers, w- once again, this this you and Dan use a term where you guys talk about that uh, that that prayers. Uh, it uh, there's there's a term you guys use that prayers make what you're praying for present. So as you're saying these prayers, we are mystically making the passion of Christ present, the sufferings of Christ present. Those things are being, although we can't see him, but uh, in the cosmos and around us, they are present now by the invocation of our words in our faith. And this is where, again, angels and demons surely can see what we're projecting, correct? You're absolutely right, Jesse. The projection, uh, and this is why the integrity of the Mass, the integrity of our prayers is being militated against so vehemently um, because the power of this projection and this next line in this prayer, look down upon us here gathered together in the remembrance of thy most sorrowful passion and death, fully trusting in thy mercy. Cleanse us from sin by thy grace. And so we're bringing to mind, we're we're asking our Lord to look down on us while we're looking upon him and remembering him in his passion and his death. But this concept of, of progression dissolves a, uh, deserves a whole section, um, and and I think that'd be good to talk about in this next in Sounds this good. next segment. Hold, hold it on, hard break. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Yes, Kyle Clement. We'll be back. Wednesday War College, high-level uh, spiritual warfare. Here we're talking today about the proper usage of Pro- Father Ripperger's books called The Deliverance Prayers for the Laity. Uh, Kyle Clement that knows this theology better than any layman on planet Earth. He actually works with Father Ripperger for the last 16 years. He says, uh, hey, let me give you a, a, an analogy. Have you heard of Batman and Robin? Okay, Kyle Clement is Robin, all right? Uh, maybe you guys will understand now the depth of this man's knowledge and the way, the fact that we appreciate him coming, him coming here on Wednesdays to war college and sharing with us, Kyle, why don't you tell the audience uh, how people can get a hold of you? Some of the things that you're doing before we continue on this deep dive in prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Uh, and thank you for the, uh, the analogy, but, uh, I just I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe more like Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I may be more like the, I may be more like the butler. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Uh, the, um, so you can get a hold of us at www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot net, N-E-T. And that'll let you know what all we're doing. Um, we've got several trainings. Father Riverger does several trainings. He does an exorcist training. Every year we do mental health professionals, psychiatrists, psychologists that are involved in the helping priests in the ministry. And we do general, what we call general practitioner training. And so this is the training of priests uh, and their teams in, um, in spiritual warfare, according to the Libra Cristo model. You can also go to www.liberlibercristo.org. On both of those websites, there is a lot of videos. There's a lot of other um, 
resources there um, that you're certainly welcome to just exhaust all of those free resources, a lot of YouTube talks and things. But with regard to the trainings, um, Father does uh, exorcist training. Father and I do an exorcist training every year, which is a short and intense training. It's a week-long training, uh, but it's it's like 12 hours a day. And so men come out of there, priests come out of there fully functional and able to discharge the duties as a mandated exorcist. The SMD continues to offer consultation to exorcists and, and uh, priests and bishops. It is through that consultation and being present uh, to men working in this area that I made the acquaintance of Bishop O'Connell, God rest his soul, Amen. and many other uh, bishops and, and priests. And so the um, the funding of those programs, you can certainly sponsor those programs. You can certainly offer scholarship to priests. We've got priests that um, this in this section, we've got one coming from Africa. We've got another coming from uh, Germany. And so these many of these priests don't have money. Their diocese don't have money. Some of these priests are in dioceses that are bankrupt. Some of them are in third world countries. And so the uh, opportunity to, to support those priests in that training and support the general practitioner priest in their training, uh, those are, opportunities are available. You can email info at montecristo.net to, to uh, explore those. And Father Ripperger is doing three retreats in Wyoming. I'm doing a reclamation theology retreat in Wyoming again this year. Uh, information on all of those retreats is on the montecristo.net website. Father Ripperger is doing a, um, a father-son retreat, and we have one spot left on that retreat. Um, he's doing a mother-daughter retreat. We recently had a cancellation. Retreat was full. We just had a cancellation, so there's a room. There's room there. Um, just a little bit of room. And he's doing a single men's retreat. This is our first time to do this retreat. He thought it was a an area that really needed uh, to have a retreat offered. And so these are low-density retreats. These are small numbers. You got a lot of access to, to Father Ripperger at Louis Lake Lodge up in uh, the Wind River Mountains of, of Wyoming, a beautiful place at, at over 8,500 uh, feet of elevation, very primitive place. But this is for young men, 18 to 30. This would be an excellent gift to give a young man a graduation gift. If anyone's discerning priesthood or discerning marriage, if anyone is recently betrothed or just entered the seminary, this retreat would be perfect for those young men in your life, those young men that you know uh, that would benefit from a week with Father Ripperger uh, up in the mountains of, uh, of Wyoming. Then there's some other conferences and other things. You can see all of this stuff at uh, net. Thanks, Jesse. You got it. And by the way, uh, Father Ripperger, Bishop Strickland, Kyle Clement, and Dr. Dan Schneider, they will be coming to Southern California to the Spiritual Warfare Conference. That's March 25th and 26th. I believe uh, it's sold out. It's going to be at St. Joseph's Catholic Church, but you can watch it on the internet. Uh, Virgin Most Powerful. Uh, I'll, I'll confirm that with Terry. I know it's going to be recorded and put on Virgin Most Powerful's website. I think there may be a link where people will be able to watch it live. Maybe Richard can, my engineer, maybe he can uh, confirm that. He'll, he'll, he'll let me know if I'm, uh, if I'm tracking on the right direction. But uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll be seeing all this uh, Liber Cristo team and Bishop Strickland 
in a couple of weeks over in, I'll be the MC. I'm going to be your MC. And boy, oh boy, am I honored to, because I know all of them. I have a relationship with all the men that are speaking. And I thank God that God's put them in my life uh, because I become a better man for it. And by the way, if anybody wants to see Bishop David O'Connell's prayer over Los Angeles, it's on the virginmostpowerful.radio.org website. Virginmostpowerfulradio.org website. On the front page, you got Bishop O'Connell, rest in peace, and his heartfelt prayer over the county of Los Angeles with the Blessed Sacrament. It is so moving. So, Kyle, we're talking about these uh, <clears throat> these precious blood prayers, these uh, devotional section. You're going verse by verse, and that's excellent because people need to hear that. Uh, continue, my friend. C- c- or should I say continue? I will. Alf- Alfred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I want to I wanna pick up something that you just mentioned and, and um, with regard to that beautiful piece that was filmed of Bishop O'Connell. Um, there on the hilltop with the monstrance. I, I strongly urge you, and this is a form of projection, but I strongly urge you to go to BMPR, watch it. Let's make this go viral. This needs to have millions of worldwide views. This needs to be watched. It needs to be projected. It needs to be made present. Present not only as a testament to what does a bishop, what does a good bishop look like, a man willing to, to exercise his office, but not just in memory of him and not just in memory of the right order to Episcopacy, which we lack so much, but just making our Lord presence in the world. Let's, uh, let's make this thing go viral. That's a term I just picked up. I'm not very social media savvy, but that, <laughs> that's a term I just picked up. So with regard to projection, so the projection is the method of communication for incorporeal beings uh, such as angels and, de- and demons. Right. Okay. And, correct. And so this is the way, if you've ever been tempted, if you've ever had random thoughts of violence uh, come across your screen, if you've ever had uh, deviant or horrible thoughts projected onto, onto you, then you know what projection is. And so what the demon does is, is he brings forward a concept and he wills it into the cosmos. This is how he's searching for uh, psychological compatibility. Are you willing to look at a human as less than? Are you willing to accuse God the Father that he chose the wrong identity for you? Are you, are you willing to say, I'm not going to suffer for these people, or I'm not going to stay in this marriage because I'm not appreciated? Any of those things, he projects, you pick it up, now a relationship is formed. And so the power of projection is the ability to bring and make a mystery present in our mind, to project a sacred image, a sacred concept into the cosmos, out into the order. And this is really how spiritual warfare is fought. It's a battle for the will. It's a battle for the airwaves of the spiritual realm. And the more that we project these pure prayers of sacrificial theology of the blood of Jesus. The only way that the blood of Jesus is made present in the spiritual realm is by the projection of humans and the projection of angels. It's the only way it's made present. So when we are doing that, I'll give you a classic example is, is to, let's say the first joyful mystery is see the, the, the sun on the stone, see See the Blessed Mother's shadow cast on the cobblestones of the courtyard in Nazareth. 
see her kneeling in the afternoon, the 3 p.m. prayer, see her kneeling at the at, along the the, wet, the uh, spring, see the shadow of Gabriel as soon as she finishes her 3 p.m. prayers, see the shadow of Gabriel fall across the cobblestones and hear his voice, hail, full of grace. See her turn, look deep into her eyes as she makes contact. Think about Gabriel addressing his queen, the queen of heaven and earth, the queen of all the angels. She upon whose words the fate of the universe rests. And he says, hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed. And then he holds and he pauses. And there's the discourse. How is this to be? So you're looking at the Annunciation. You're looking at that first mystery and you're projecting it out into the cosmos and see her agree and then watch the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. She takes in the word and then the word becomes flesh within her. See how she's changed. See the radiance. That's how you project. That's how you make present the mysteries of the Holy Rosary, the mysteries of the incarnation. And you can do it with every single one of the mysteries. You can do it with every bit of the imagery that's in these prayers not only does it conform us interiorly into a place pleasing to the holy ghost not only does it sanctify us it begins to work in concentric circles and the more that we are suffering the more that we are giving up a just claim the more that we're trying to conform ourselves to christ as he's being crucified then the more merit these prayers have kyle this Projecting it, uh, when we project our prayers, this has everything to do with the, the power of our memory, right? And our imagination. This is how we're doing it, correct? That's exactly right. And so it must be pure. The demon can only work with what's already in our head. He can perform it. Kyle. He can make it ugly. We'll be back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll... Kyle Clement, deliverance prayers for the lady. We are blessed by the best, and we want to tell the rest. This is uh, Wednesday War College. On Wednesday War College, just so you know, it's a special treat. We have either Kyle Clement or Dr. Dan Schneider. Both of them are on Father Ripperger's team. These are the most literate lay people in the field of spiritual warfare on planet Earth. Trust me, I've met a lot of people in this field and this Kyle Clement and Dan Schneider are the top of the food chain. Uh, and, uh, and I say this having been studying from other people for about 25 years, it doesn't get any better than what you're listening to on Wednesdays. Kyle, let me ask you a question to, to see if uh, I'm not sure if it's a synonym. So I want to, I want to just get your take on it. Uh, Dr. Peter Creffin in a book uh, put out by Ignatius press, it's called angels and demons. Many years ago, he wrote it. He says that angels or, you know, incorporeal beings, he says, communicate to mental telepathy. Would that be synonymous with projection? 
Yes, that's exactly. It's exactly the same methodology. It's that's the willing of a concept. Uh, br- yeah, bringing forth the concept and then willing it out into the cosmos. It's essentially what we do in prayer. We don't. We may not think of it in those terms, but it's that. Uh, it is that method of communication with God. Ah, got it. Okay, continue where you left off. Good stuff, Kyle. This is red meat. Red meat Catholicism. Continue. <laughs> and so. Um, in that, I'm still on 49 working yes, through sir. it, yes, sir. but yeah. then there's a, then, then there's a petition portion. that says, cleanse us fully trusting in thy mercy, cleanse us from sin by thy grace, sanctify our toil, give unto us and to all those who are dear to us, our daily bread. And then this one, sweeten our sufferings. Mm. This is a term we don't we don't hear. It's a very traditional Catholic term. Wow. Sweetening to sweeten our sufferings, meaning make them joyful to us, make them appealing to us, make them savory to us. Listen to what you're praying for, because this is how different is this from the modern, you know, take it from me. Um, our Lord prayed, take it from me. And then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And then once it is, um, once our wills are conformed to his, the prayer is sweeten our sufferings. And so I'll ask you, I'll ask you a trick question. Is Jesus joyous on the cross in the, in the sacrificial act, in the passion? Is he joyous? I'm going to say yes, because he's perfectly doing the will of the first person of the Trinity. Uh, and though on a phys- on his human nature suffering, and he's going through terrible agony, uh, but I would have to say that his uh, his soul or his divine nature knows that it's aligned with the will of the Father. So there was unspeakable joy going on in the cross. Yeah, am I right? I think you're exact. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think that that, that shift, the ability to see that, is the product of devotion. That's the product of prayer, because when you talk to people who are trying to come back to the church, when you're talking to people who have been away, who have been uh, victims of spiritual warfare or been been in places they shouldn't be, they do not have that disposition. And so, Jesse, you articulated exactly right. Is that, and, and that ability to articulate it and see it that way comes to us by devotion, hmm. by praying, by wanting to be conformed to God. Um, and so this is an acquired taste. This is part of that makes sweet our sufferings, make make savory um and it 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 allows us to look upon something such as the death of a bishop o'connell differently it it allows us to take the 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 high ground and it allows us to um to escape some of the the buffeting and the tumult um and the drama and trauma that is involved in politics and even what's going on in our church Good stuff, Kyle. Good stuff. Continue. We got a few, but yeah, we got a few minutes left. Continue. Okay. So let um, bless our families and to the nations so sorely afflicted grant thy peace, which is the only true peace. And so this is the peace that we're talking about. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Uh, peace is not the absence of, of confrontation. Peace is the wrongdoing. It's happening. It's happening in Providence. Thanks be to God, both for the good and for the bad. And so I think that the the, the precious blood, any of these precious blood devotions, 
centrality of sacrificial theology, of joining our suffering to Christ. And then finally it says, which is the only true peace, so that by obeying thy commandments we may come at last to the glory of heaven. And it's to attain the glory of heaven. It's to to be blameless under the commandments. We often forget that the commandments are a formula to to achieve blamelessness, but they, they are not what sanctifies us. What sanctifies us is the willingness to suffer. What sanctifies us is the attitude. What sanctifies us is total conformity to God's holy will and the desire for salvation, not just redemption. And I think that's another theme that, that I've heard Jesse talk about, and, and it, but it's rare today, is the necessity for suffering and the difference between redemption and salvation. So in, in spiritual warfare, as we're taking souls through the liberation process, these are two difficult concepts. These are two concepts that they hang up on uh, quite often. And so if you maintain this perspective, this devotional perspective, then it's much harder to get pulled into uh, diabolical conformity or psychological compatibility with the demon if we understand not only the, the value of suffering, but the necessity of suffering and the sweetness that can be found in it when we not only endure it, but we embrace it for love of God. Kyle, and I noticed that this is, an, this is an, a dark area within Protestant models of deliverance, which have spilled in largely into Catholic charismatic models of deliverance. There's a lot of good things that they teach, obviously, because they invoke the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, they do have faith. Uh, but, but again, the area of redemptive suffering, uniting your suffering to Christ, that's an area that Protestants don't understand. It's not part of their theology. And unfortunately, a lot of the Catholics in the 60s embraced that Protestant model and, and, uh, and just absorbed it. Thanks be to God because of Liber Christo and other apostolates, now people are realizing that within the healing process, it requires suffering and uniting your sufferings to Christ, right? You're precisely right, Jesse. You are, you are exactly right. And I want to apply this to uh, a situation in our church today. And this is a gross departure from um, Catholicism. And what really happens is it's an uncharitable disposition, and it it dooms souls. It dooms souls. And what I'm speaking about is the depravity that is homosexuality, the deviancy that is mm. homosexuality. Mm. The value the value for the person who thinks themselves homosexual is suffering in the deviancy, suffering in the defect, trying to correct the defect, going through cognitive reparative therapy to say, this is inconsistent with the faith. This is inconsistent, and so I must address this. I, it, it's not that I must change the faith to accommodate my deviancy. It's not that I must change the faith to accommodate my depravity or where I'm in error. It is that I am in error. Preconciliar, we used to listen to homilies or sermons, and if something abraded our sensibilities, we would say, I must change. Conciliar, the person hears it and they say the church must change. If their sensibilities are abraded, if they're offended, they say the church must change. Hmm. She can't change. 
she can't change. And we're dooming these souls to damnation. We're dooming these souls if we do not address this from the standpoint of, look, this is simply inconsistent with Catholicism and the path to salvation. It's inconsistent with being redeemed. You can't be redeemed, pulled from the slave trade block, and then willingly enter right back into the same slavery. You, you can't do that. It's as if we see Andrew Corsini uh, pay a thousand or ten thousand dollars for a slave on the block and then the slave walk off the block a free man immediately walk around to the broker and say put me back on the block i want the money it's exactly <laughs> the same scenario and if we don't see that then we're doomed to repeat it um i, I think this is a key thing is is this inability to recognize the value in suffering and correcting defects correcting depravities that's the way the church has always operated. Kyle, thank you so much. Uh, next time we're on, we'll be picking up uh, picking it up on page 50, these precious blood prayers. Uh, you've just given so much context, so much depth to these prayers that I think people will never be the same again. Anybody listening to this show, you'll never say, or you'll never even pray the same again once you understand prayer's projection, bringing forth the concept, the spiritual concept from the scriptures, from God's word, and willing it to the cosmos. Once you get that, that's going to revolutionize your prayer life. Kyle, thank you very much. And now you, you and Dan, the guys from the Liber Crystal, the instructors, uh, for uh, coming on here on Wednesdays and just giving the, the, the audience high-level catechesis. How can people listen to your uh, daily reflections? Oh, thank you, Jesse. Yeah, you can sign up and subscribe to that daily reflection by going to www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net. And you'll find on there a place to subscribe uh, to that daily reclamation theology reflection. I would also urge you to go to the VMPR archives. There are so many good talks there by so many people, Dr. Dan, uh, Jesse Cherry, Bishop Strickland. There's just a treasure trove of good things there to listen to. So especially during Lent, if you're tempted to turn on Fox News, CNN, if you're turning, if you're tempted to turn on any of that, don't go to VMPR, access that archive, listen to something that will nourish your soul, not abrade your sensibilities. <laughs> Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, we are uh, end, EOW. We're end of watch. Uh, we're off duty now. But we're always on duty for the Lord Jesus Christ and always in the service of the Queen Mother. Keep on listening to VMPR Radio. Here's where we put the spotlight of truth upon the culture of death, the culture of lies. And we're going to keep firing missiles of truth against the wall of lies. All right, family, we'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith up next. Gary Machuda coming to you from the Midwest Command Center, high-level apologetics. And we'll see you next time. And, and Lord, have mercy on Bishop O'Connell's soul. Amen. Amen.